0: Welcome back, Houston. These guys missed you over the last break. It's the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5.
1: He's blank. on Branham. Killer is ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Weren't, uh, weren't a lot of people poo-pooing the uh, Jameer Gibbs pick? Yeah, they were. They, they were. Because it wasn't so much anti gibbs though. It was, I was where he was taken. It was where he was taken. Uh, and running back in the first round is always a conversation. I remember watching, uh, I mean, I watched way too much college quarterback film last year. Whenever I watched Alabama, I liked Jameer Gibbs way more than I liked Bryce Young.
2: I remember you saying that. I did. I, I, I remember you tweeted something about the fact that it's amazing when you're Bryce Young and you can throw a 10-yard screen and it goes 60 or 70 yards that you get, you, you get the credit you get. But, yeah, you were all about – Totally give you full credit on that one.
1: I thought he was the best offensive player on all, on Alabama's football team last year. I was blown away with Jameer Gibbs. So I loved him as the player. It was more – I don't even think I poo-pooed it. But it, there was the narrative of like, oh, you just drafted a running back way too early. And then they also had David Montgomery. So it's like, what are y'all doing? And they traded up to number 12 uh, to get Jameer Gibbs. So there, there was some poo-pooing, absolutely. But it wasn't so much about the talent. It was more just like the general philosophy. Should you be drafting running backs in the first round?
2: And – well, or that high, right? Because when people saw him, they thought much like um, Najee Harris. If you got him in the 20s, that would be a great pick. But because they took him at 12, people were like wide eyed going, What the hell are you doing? And then you yep. saw him play and went, Well, that's exactly what you're doing.
1: It is weird, too, because like, he still had a pretty good share with David Montgomery. Like, yeah. you, you traded up for number 12 for to, to draft him, and then you, David Montgomery had to start out, touched him. He started. Yeah,
2: I don't really care too much about who started. No, but I care saying, more about
1: touches, but I'm pretty sure Montgomery out-touched Jameer Gibbs.
2: Yeah, and well, normally when you start talking about a guy that's drafted that high, the, the perception is, is that he's going to start right away. But because you brought you, you brought in a guy like Montgomery too, Montgomery started, and I think you might be right. He probably got more touches. I think he got more yards. I think he proved he'd be, with his value catching the ball out of the backfield too and how dy- dynamic he was, what he meant to that offense. And for for Ben Johnson, he was an unbelievable weapon, and part of the reason why the team got as far as they are right now.
1: Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. So Jim Crane on Monday they announced Hader, uh, ninety five million five years, nineteen million dollars, which is the largest contract ever gave ever given to a reliever that didn't defer money because the Diaz he deferred money. So kind of a semantics, whatever. But as Jim Crane created a precedence that the fan base will expect him to maintain, and this isn't so much about spending the money on Hater, even though that it was the largest free agent deal that, that Jim Crane's ever done. By a large margin, by the way. $95 million surpasses the $58.5 million they gave to uh, Jose Abreu. So that, that surpassed that by almost $40 million total contract. Uh, he had never given anybody more than four years, gives a reliever five years. But beyond that, it's because he surpassed the competitive balance tax. He's going into the luxury tax, which he's done once before for Grinky, but he never had to pay on it cuz the next year was the covid year and they they disallowed or they they gave everybody forgiveness for uh for having to pay the luxury tax during the covid year because you know there weren't fans, all that junk that we don't want to relive. But does this create a dangerous precedence? Because we heard all throughout the offseason before Hater signed, well, Jim Crane's cheap. Jim Crane doesn't want to spend money. Jim Crane's going to sell the team. Now he's above the competitive balance tax with this hater contract. Is this a precedence that the fan base is going to expect Jim Crane
2: to do every single offseason? Absolutely. And it's unfair. But it's going to happen. And that's the way this fan base is. At first, you know, and not the, neither one of us said it, but – the the lingering comment was he doesn't want to spend money. He doesn't want to go over the tax. Some called him cheap. The fact of the matter is, is now that he's done it once, everybody's going to expect him to do it every time. But the past, the, the past precedence really does tell you overall he didn't do it with Correa. He did not do it and really didn't have a chance to do it with some of the other free agents. He didn't want to do it with Springer. Um, so you know Garrett Cole was a guy you knew was gone anyway, but he wasn't going to get into that battle either. He picks and chooses. He obviously has got his buddy in Justin Verlander. But overall, the past precedent says he's not in that game. But what he just showed you is he squelched any bit of the cheap commentary. He squelched any bit of the I don't want to keep winning thought process. But now, unfairly, he's set up your fan base to believe every single time he's going to do this again or he's going to do something else along the lines of this to make sure that he can keep this team where it needs to be. We all know that the press, the the, the black clouds hanging over and look, just kind of hovering to say are going to have to be addressed. That would be Kyle Tucker and that would be Alex Bregman and he, and Altuve. I think everybody here agrees he's going to be back. Altuve somehow, someway is not going anywhere. The other two guys, legit on the table on the chopping block for the future, and that's something that you're going to have to get used to. If you're a legitimately intelligent fan that knows how to analyze this team in the game, you understand. Not a, none of this is connected one to the other to the other, but the chances of having Tucker and or Bregman back based on what you just did with hater probably went down a, a substantial
1: amount. See, I think they're kind of unrelated. I I don't think I don't think that it's related. I, if anything it shows me that Crane's actually willing to spend Agreed. more than he's ever spent. Mm-hmm. So I actually think that the chances of re-sign, like Bregman I I don't think Bregman's really on the table. So like I don't think it increased the chances to resign Bregman because I think you can make a case that you shouldn't resign Bregman at the dollar figure that I believe he's going to command in the production that he's given you every year since 2019. Commander 1. Um, uh, 1. Yeah, because well, I, I am think curious about command. About the command. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I am curious to see what Bregman gets on the open market now. If somebody's desperate for third baseman, like I could see somebody overspending. But Bre- Bregman's not the player that he was in the late 2010s. He's, uh, it's just, not it's a all. fact. Like, go look at the numbers. He's he's still a good player. I'm not saying he's crap. I'm not saying he's bad as a salsa. He's still a good baseball <laughs> player. But he's nowhere near the top five MVP, MVP finishing Alex Bregman. So should he get 30 million? No, it should be closer to 20 25 uh, million for Alex Bregman. But I, I to me it doesn't. really... Really change see, anything from Bregman's standpoint, but they're correlated Tucker.
2: because of the fact that it still affects your bottom line. Because you committed that many dollars to a relief pitcher, that's going to be there with some of the guys you've already committed to. Sure, so that's going to alter his way of thinking. Maybe in terms of you're right. Maybe I, I can't. I can't speak for him until we see how it plays out. I just have the feeling that that it's going. It's going to be correlated to his willingness to keep spending.
1: There could absolutely be a correlation if we spend X amount on hater, that gives us X amount less to spend on the overall payroll as well. Absolutely, that could be a correlation. I think I could draw a conclusion, though, where it's also a correlation built on winning and keeping players that he wants because oh Kendall Graven's going to be out well let's go sign a reliever but not only sign a reliever let's go out and get the best reliever that is out on the market Uh, it shows that Crane still has a desire to win and if Crane still has that desire to win I actually think it increases the odd I don't think it increases it a lot and I still would predict that Kyle Tucker leaves in free agency but it shows that Crane's willing to go to uncharted waters from as far as Jim Crane has been willing to go I mentioned the Abreu contract 50 that was 50 thirty eight and a half million million total for Jose Abreu. That's the largest that Jim Crane has ever given to a free agent during his tenure as the owner of the Houston Astros. He went to 95 on Josh Hader. So, oh, is Jim Crane going to kind of change some of his principles, some of the mindsets that he has? Ultimately, I don't think so but I give it a slight increase that it's a good sign from Tucker. But to the, the original question about does it change the uh, like the, the mindset of the fan base, does it create a dangerous precedence, I think it does too. I actually think that that precedence has already been there. Like even before he signed Josh Hader, it was he needs to spend, spend, spend. And in the moment that he does sign Hader, well, what else is he going to do this offseason? When is he going to get Bregman done? When is he going to get Altuve done? When is he going to get Kyle Tucker done? So the precedence even before the signing exists Existed and after the signing I think it amplified it even more.
2: It does. There's no doubt about it but what I think the fans have to be realistic about is there's a million different ways that you can get to your your, your final destination. So just because he's not willing to do what he's shown he's not willing to do which is go like mega long term on money and on years like yeah he went five with Hater, but he's not going to go seven to ten on a Kyle Tucker for 300 plus million dollars. He's not going to do the same thing for Alex Bregman but If he's willing to pass on those guys and find replacements and with Dana Brown's help and some of the talent evaluation they can do if they can be savvy, which they've been able to they've proven to be able to do from time to time as well to find guys that can get the same kind of numbers at a different kind of dollar figure so that the window stays open and you can continue to keep winning then don't be mad at Jim Crane because Jim Crane showed you what a lot of people thought that you'd never see, which was his ability to go over the tax. And he went way over with what he just did, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean to your point, he doesn't want to continue to win. And he's going to show you possibly that there are other ways to continue to win just because it might ruffle the feathers of the fan base that are heartstring attached to the guys that are with the names on the back of the Jersey. As long as at the end of the year, you're winning division titles. You got a chance to win a world series. You're competing deeply into the playoffs. That's what should matter. Yeah, I mean,
1: Crane has been like last two off seasons. You went out and got a first baseman when there was a need for a first baseman. Now, he didn't have the season that you would have liked him to have. They needed an arm last year. They re-signed Montero. Now, probably overspent mm-hmm. on that a little bit. And then this year, oh, Graveman's hurt. You have some relief, you know, holes and, and lack of depth. Okay, we'll go get Hater. So he he has expressed, and sometimes foolishly uh his desire to add to this roster at least 1711 you can't be as successful as the Astros have been and still build through your farm i see where you're coming from one 1711 cuz you're picking late in the first round you're picking late in all of the rounds um now having your picks taken away that that hurt a little bit as well i i, I understand where you're coming from but i disagree um Tampa Bay certainly is very unique in what they do unique na- uh, tampa bay wins each and every year each and every year tampa bay they do reloads through the farm each and every year. Now, they're incredibly unique in that they never let anybody hit free agency and they trade players before they do hit free agency because they believe on the return on investment model. And if you let a player leave for just the compensation pick, you're not going to reload the farm system. They most recently did it with Glass now with the Dodgers. Trade him away uh, whenever he's approaching free agency, a year away from free agency, and then you reload it with a few other players that you're going to get for a few years. So it is challenging with the Astros approach because they're not going to trade away their stars in their final year. They are letting them leave in free agency, only getting the compensation pick. Now they were, they have to be really good at drafting in in order to continue the success. Now I still believe that you can, I still believe that it's possible the Dodgers kind of do it in a way like the Dodgers farm system's amazing. It's it is. really, really good. Now, on top of them having a really good farm system, they're also going to spend more money than anybody in baseball. So the challenges are there for the Astros that the Dodgers don't have because the Dodgers are going to overspend. They're going to yeah, spend more. Dodgers do
2: it a different way because they're not afraid to go endless with their financial commitments to players and and just do. But they've also, like to your point, they built up a good farm system. I think Tampa and Cleveland. I thought I would put Cleveland in there too. Cleveland like, might, might not be competing for World Series they're Every year, But they find a way to get the maximum out of all their players to win the division, to be in the playoffs. And then at a certain point, they know when to cut bait as well and and trade away from their big contracts or guys facing big contracts to kind of add more to their farm system, to get more picks and young players so they can at least sustain winning. Not at the level that the big market teams are doing and the goals and aspirations they have, but they have, just like Tampa, they have a sustained ability to win the Dodgers, and I was having this argument on the way here with a massive Dodger fan, Travis Johnson, and and I kept saying, hey, look, bottom line is you guys keep throwing money all over the place, but what have you done except for the COVID year? You haven't won anything. You're the Utah Jazz uh, of Major League Baseball, and he's like, you just don't understand because there's no barrier we won't go through to bring in the guys that we need. I go, to need to do what? Because if you're doing what the Indians, sorry, the Guardians are doing, then you're fine, because you're just admitting that you're winning, but you don't. You're not trying to chase the chip until you get a legit full season chip, and then you got to get many. Now with what you did with Otani and the way you've continued to spend, then you're doing something. I think the the Astros have more rhyme and reason to what they do, and there's a there's a method to their madness in the in the way they're doing it, even right now with the Hater deal.
1: You and uh, you and Trap just casually chat in the afternoon, middle of the week. Yeah, <laughs> you are like he gets uh, mad. He
2: yeah, he, he, he gets mad if I don't call him back. You
1: are like blue-haired retired women that, that gossip during the day.
2: No, we just <laughs> you catch up when we can. I, he knows I'm in the car on the way to the show.
1: Seven one three seven eight zero 780 espn Jim Crane, has he created a precedence the fan base will expect him to maintain? And what about the next few years for the Astros? Does that hater deal, does that impact Bregman? Does it impact Altuve? Does it impact uh, Kyle Tucker? 713-780-3776. Killer bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN
0: 92.5. ESPN 97.5.com. Time to wake up. Hey, you are finally awake. You were trying to cross the border, right? Back to the Killer Bees on ESPN 975. The show name is a reference to how many great Astros last name begin with the letter B, who were playing back in the 90s when they were not winning World Series. Bagwell, Vigio, Barry, Bell, and eventually Berkman. You might not remember Barry and Bell, but trust me, you'll remember Blank and Brenham. Here they are now, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios.
1: Everyone remembers Barry and Bell, just like everybody remembers Lincoln Branham. Seven one three seven eight zero 780 espn does the contract for Hayter, 95 for 5, 19 per year, does it impact what's down the pike with Bregman without Tuve? With Kyle Tucker, Fromber is uh, two. He's only under club control for two more years. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN eight six nine three. I know this might be obvious, but I think decisions will be made based on how prospects improve this season in the minors. Now, the Astros don't have tremendous prospects uh, in terms of like how Baseball America views them. But the Astros have always had a reputation of being able to turn these hidden gems into these really good big leaguers. I mean, Jordan Alvarez was never a highly decorated prospect, and the the Dodgers traded him for fields. Uh, Jeremy Pena was not a highly decorated prospect, and he isn't very much a capable, everyday, starting shortstop. Uh, Yiner Diaz was a throw-in in the Miles Straw trade. Uh, Jake Myers was never a highly-touted prospect, and he's at least capable of being a platoon-level, defensive-minded starting center fielder. Same thing with Chaz McCormick. Look over in the starting rotation. So much has been written about Fromber, uh, Javier, Urquidy, Luis Garcia, Bullpen, Brian O'Brien. None of those guys were ever highly-touted prospects. So, like, that to me has always been the Astros. Like, they've had tremendous talent because they were drafting early. You know, Correa, Springer. Uh, Lance McCullers, Bregman, they've, Tucker. Um, so they've had that luxury. But the secret sauce to me with the Astros has always been player development. Getting the most out of highly touted, decorated prospects, but also the guys that no one expected to amount to anything at the big league level have given you a ton of production at the big league yeah, level. Yeah, no
2: doubt. And I think that, look, as much as you want to, and we know it's something that they wanted to be focused on, was rebuilding their farm system. It's easier said than done, and they've had a lot of limitations. But the fact is is sometimes you again there's when i go back to this there's a million different ways that they can get to the end game that they're trying to get to so if they know that their system isn't going to re- be rebuilt on the fly and they're not willing to give up the guys at the deadline or guys with expiring contracts to try and cash in or a year before they become you know, free agents, then you just have to be savvy in free agency. You still have to draft well, to your point, of the lower level or maybe not the high first round type pick in the draft, but get the guys in the lower rounds and the mid rounds that are going to make you more of a sustainable franchise for the long haul. But at the same time, that means you're going to have to dabble more into free agency and trades to some degree to try and get those kind of players that supplement the guys that you've committed the money to.
1: A lot of times, too, those those uh, players can be used to improve your big league roster without ever making it to your big league roster. Mm-hmm. We saw with Drew Gilbert and Ryan and, uh, Clifford. Was it yep. Ryan Clifford? Mm-hmm. You traded him for Verlander. Like, so who knows if those guys ever make it to the bigs? We we feel good, to, like pretty confident that they will. We don't know to what productivity. And you got to top-of-the-rotation starter for those guys that you drafted. So the guys yeah, the that Verlander you
2: drafted— The first The first one? The, 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 yeah, the first Verlander deal. Right, yeah.
1: like Cameron and that Rodgers— Yeah, Daz, the Cameron, the
2: catcher, and there was, a, I think, a first-base prospect. But, like, the fact that we can't name them and say that they are they're steady and Major League Baseball players are better— Great deal for the Astros.
1: Yeah, I'm usually a prospect hugger of the two, but if you're, if you're trading from your minor league system to help your big league roster for a sustained period of time, like that's another way that your, your pipeline
2: development helps. Um, go See, ahead. And, I think, and I think that the biggest difference there too, Jeremy, is the fact that it's one thing to say they were just prospects. They just got into your system and you moved them because you don't know what they're going to be. But I would say my my feeling is different if you have like an Alex Bregman that's already climbed through this, you know, or run run through the system. He's on your major league roster, and and they wanted to trade him for Chris Sale. That's a different conversation for me because Bregman already showed you enough to seem like he was going to be a very good major league baseball player. But if you're trading prospects to get a big name that takes you to another level, I do that more times than not because of the fact that you just don't know what you don't know, but the guy you're getting, you damn sure know, is going to be very, very good yeah. for you.
1: It comes down to player evaluation, mm-hmm. and it comes down to projecting what the, the prospects are going to do, and it's more difficult because they're prospects, and they've never played at the big league level. Uh, 3 3 six, seven, Bregman will likely walk, and I think that's okay based on his age. Letting Tucker walk would be a big mistake. I, I like Tucker a lot. I don't want to pay Tucker three hundred million dollars for ten years, and we say this all the time with the players that the Astros have let walk. Uh, Carlos Correa, letting him walk would be a big mistake. Astros won the World Series the very next year, and Carlos Correa has not played up to his salary in and any season since he left the Astros. World Series MVP. World Series MVP. And some people are kind of down on Pena right now, which I think is a little unfair. Um, same thing with George Springer. Well, George Springer, you letting him walk away would be a, a big mistake. Well, the Astros have had success since George Springer, and I don't think George Springer, outside of like one season, has lived up to his contract. He's been injury-prone, and now he's not even a center fielder. Like, that was always a huge advantage of George Springer. Well, you can play center field. Well, they've moved him to right field in his his older age, and he always gets hurt. He's injury-prone. So I don't know if letting Tucker walk would be a big mistake. Letting Tucker walk for, you know, if he were, were going to sign like a $10 million contract for the next six years, that would be a big mistake. But is avoiding a $300 million contract for 10 years a big mistake? A I normal. would argue it's not. No,
2: it's not. It, the years and the money matters. And the fact is, if he was going to give you a bargain, then he would have taken the deal they offered him the, when they got Jordan to sign the very same deal, and he passed on it. And that means that he tells you right then and there, I'm going to test the market, and I'm going to get what I am worth. If that is the case and he gets it for like 7 to 10 years, it's not it's just not meant to be. It doesn't mean that you didn't have a good run with him. It doesn't mean you can't replace him and find someone maybe not quite as good overall, but maybe because you get a player that's pretty good in the same position in right field, but then you use you you actually add uh, in other places to fortify the rest of the roster, that means your overall team can still be as good even if the right fielder is not as good as Kyle Tucker.
1: 713 8693 The problem with Astro fan thinking is that they're spoiled rotten. Most have unrealistic expectations. I think that's pretty fair. That's pretty fair. The, uh, the, the fan base has been spoiled because the Astros have played very, very well in this golden era, and there are high expectations for them. 3367, I think the Astros' performance over the next few years will also affect how I view Crane spending. If they are performing poorly and not competing for a title, then I would be okay with them not overspending and instead trying to rebuild. If we are close to competing, I would expect the owner to shell out some dough and get us another championship. I don't think the Astros are going anywhere.
2: No, I don't either. I think that that's the other reason why the fans are so spoiled is because this sustained winning, it's not normal, people. It's dynasty. When we start using the term dynasty, dynasties don't come around every day. The fact that you've been spoiled by the fact that they just once again proved a lot of people wrong and went out and opened the checkbook, they made the Verlander trade, they made the moves when necessary, and they've been winning for this long period of time, you're more than spoiled. Like, you're over the moon with the fact that you have this Rarity of a dynasty that with the window that's not closing yet. That's how good you've had it. Most fan bases would kill for half this time to have the kind of success that they've had. Five one zero three is a
1: Braves uh, fan. I was sick when we let go of Freeman and Dansby. Um, where did the GM come from? Dana Brown came from Atlanta. He says trust the process. The Astros have had that process before the, the Braves sure had do. that process. But I, again, I, I don't think it's. I think it's smart. I think it's wise. Now you can make a case should they trade those players before they enter free agency. Now the difficulty with that is if you have a World Series contender and you're trading away Kyle Tucker with a year left on his deal, there's going to be a very very irritated fan base. One three nine two. Do you think? Crane knows he's probably not going to sign Tucker, so he's going for it this year and going to trade Tucker next year for prospects. The only way I envision that happening is if the Astros are bad this year. If they're bad this year, which I don't expect them to be, no. I could see them taking offers for Fromber and Kyle Tucker.
2: I can tell you this right now, I think if you just changed, take Tucker out of that text and put Bregman in there, I could see them saying, hey, from Crane's perspective, this is our last year with Bregman, this is where, you know, for for this a generation of, the, of, of this team, Right uh, of this Golden era team that involves Alex Bregman, I'm in go-for-it mode. I, I basically know Bregman's walking at the end of the year. I'll figure out a third base after this season, but I'm putting all my eggs in the basket of not only this year to give us the best chance to win, but I've also locked up a premier closer for four years after that, no matter what we decide to do in the bullpen, so that makes us better there, and I still have Brian Abreu no matter what happens with Presley, and I'll deal with these other situations individually as they pop up. Zero three one five. Jim Crane will never
1: spend any all capital letters, real money, exclamation point. He just did. <laughs> I guess this is like the, the genesis of what we were just discussing, yeah. where it's created a precedence the fan base will expect him to maintain and probably even surpass. Because Crane's going into the luxury tax. He just signed his biggest free agent contract that he's ever signed, and Jim Crane will never spend any real money. That's flawed. That's one, flawed. it's not
2: your money, and two, guess what? The fact of the matter is, just because he didn't do it, I mean, you're always going to fans are always going to have something to bitch about. But the fact is, just because it, he didn't get you the the big hammer bat, I mean, what would you want him to have done differently to change that mindset? Probably Otani. Yeah, because he did <laughs> spend big. He did make a big splash. He made your team better, but maybe he just didn't do it the way you wanted him to do it. I don't know.
1: They they, they probably want him to sign every single big free agent. Uh, six eight nine zero. If you know they're gone, why not trade Bregman and or Tucker now? At least get something for them. Because you want to win, as a general philosophy, I'm a fan of this. I'm this a fan. I'm a fan of trading players before they leave you in free agency for at most a compensation pick. So in theory, I like this. But to your point, and to the answer to the question of why Crane wouldn't do this, you want to he win, and if if you have like even if you were to trade Bregman for prospects, none of those guys are gonna be ready to play third, and then whoever you're signing in the for the bridge isn't gonna be as good as Bregman and
2: or Tucker. And there was talk that Billy Wagner's kid was gonna play third and be capable of filling in for this. Year. There's no way he's ready this year.
1: Yeah, I haven't seen that for this year. I've seen, like, as a future, as the heir apparent for Bregman. After the Bregman contract yeah. expires, then sure, maybe there's consideration. And even then, I need to see some stuff from, from him to, to kind of be there. But I, I believe in this as a general philosophy, trading players before they leave, because I do think it sustains winning better. Now... I think the downside to this is is it does lower your ceiling as a team. Like I, I mean, love what the Rays do, but the Rays, like I don't think the reason the Rays is- have lost the World Series the two times they've made it, it's because of this philosophy. But I do think it lowers your peaks this whenever is Tampa you do and Cleveland. this. This yeah, is I mean, Tampa
2: and Cleveland. They're not trying to win it all, well, so I mean, they're, I think they're winning- trying to Win it all. Well, I mean, sure, their aspirations are, right? But realistically, they're as long as they sustain winning... They're
1: trying to be really good every year and then hope to catch lightning in a bottle every, every now, now and then.
2: then. Right, and when they dump out of a big contract, maybe they take a half step back. But then the guys that, that, that they traded for kind of elevate them over time to keep being able to win the division and get there.
1: Now, what I think that the Astros could do, because they're in a bigger market than Tampa, is where Tampa doesn't, like, they sign these fringe free agents to kind of build the gap. Like, if they traded away a shortstop and their next, like, great shortstop is a year or two away, they'll sign a veteran on a very low salary for a year or two, Mm -hmm. where I think the Astros can do it better than a Tampa. is like, they do everything Tampa does, but those bridge free agents are better.
2: Plus, they want to come here because they know that they got a chance to win more being here. If yeah. that makes sense. And also, you know, in Tampa's case, they're not going to take a young shortstop unless they do a background check.
1: I hope, though. I hope that that's now the case. 713 uh, 780 ESPN. We overreact to what's been going on around the NFL. Uh, the divisional round overreactions. What are your overreactions from the divisional round? 713 780 3776. Killer B's on ESPN 975 and ESPN
0: 925. ESPN 97.5, because every day is Children's Day.
1: It was a baby! She smothered her own baby!
0: Broadcasting live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, deep inside the secret bee cave, it's Joel Blank and Jeremy Brenham.
1: What are your divisional round overreactions? 713-780-ESPN. We'll get to those in a couple of minutes. 713-780-3776. But I'm intrigued to take this call. There's nothing to do with what we're talking about now. Uh, Jeff from Connecticut wants to talk Texans compared to Lions. Not so much the topic that I care about. It's the fact that he's from yeah. Connecticut. And he's also 20 minutes late to the conversation we were having. Uh, let's go out to the, to the HRMP listener line. Jeff, you're in the hive. What's up, Jeff from Connecticut?
3: Well, I was only going to say that the Texans have already made steps to act like the Lions because they got a head coach that used to be a player, and the players think of him as a player-coach, and they want to play for him. So even though they don't have the best talent necessarily, they get the most out of their players because they want to play for him. And you watch. If the Texans uh, keep on their current path, get good assistant coaches. They will uh, be in the championship game three or four years from now.
2: Okay. Very Jeff, good. are you in Connecticut currently?
3: I'm currently in, uh, uh, Baytown. Oh, okay. uh, doing a visit and, uh, and I talked you on the radio and I've been a long time Lions fan and, uh, was raised on them and, I heard you guys talking about this uh, a couple days ago, how the Texans got the player coach and how how great that would be to play for someone like that.
2: We appreciate you listening, Jeff. You're also a big Houston Cougars fan too, right? None of that Connecticut Huskies crap.
3: Oh, big Husky fan, yeah.
1: Uh,
2: Basketball. It was good
1: knowing you, Jeff. Yeah, Great to say, you. you just lost yeah, half of it us. Was, it was good knowing <laughs> you. Uh, appreciate you listening. Uh, whenever you stop by, I'm surprised he didn't like a, a local uh, Baytown baddie, but uh, he, found oh. well, found he found us. Found He found know. the right one. Uh, yeah, seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. That was. A, I think it's a good take though from Jeff. You, now, ever, most coaches in the NFL, like with the exception of Belichick, like they played in the NFL mm-hmm. for the most part. Are they? They played at a high level college. Um, Kyle played at Texas, right? Played receiver, champion. yeah, he, did. he was. Like, I believe he was a walk on. Yeah, I don't know that he played a lot. Like, no, played, I believe played, he, but he was, was a, on the team. Believe he was a walk on. Um, and then, like Mike McDaniel, I think played it. We, I, I want to say Brown. I know it was an Ivy League school. Maybe Didn't not he Brown. Really? He played it. He was a walk on receiver at an Ivy League. O'Brien school. Because Brian did. Uh, Brian was at, at Brown. Brown. Uh, McDaniel was. I don't know. I, maybe he was Yale. I'm blanking on uh, what Ivy League school it was, but he was a walk-on wide receiver Yale. tonight. B-Max's it was Yale. Yale. It was Yale. Yeah, he was a walk-on uh, at Yale, I suppose. All right, 713-780-ESP. What are your hot takes, your overreactions from the divisional round of the NFL or just in general? From total Arlington divisional overreaction, Houston's future is brighter than Dallas's future.
2: It depends on how you gauge it. Like you you can only you've gone as far as you're ever going to go, and you're probably going down before you go up. I think that's so, what he means. I think that's how he gauges it. Yeah, so good luck to you, but from the standpoint... So he's saying Houston's future is... or That's an overreaction? No,
1: no. We, no. I mean, this is his take. This is his reaction. This oh, is, I agree he, he's asking I agree. if it's an overreaction
2: or not. Houston's future is brighter than Dallas's future. Not an overreaction at all. I, I think that's accurate. I think Houston's got a, a, a much brighter future than Dallas because they've got a lot of salaries they're going to have to deal with. they got a head coach that's basically a lame duck that Probably won't be there in a year's time. They've got a reputation and a quarterback that backs it up, that they can play great in the regular season and not so great in the playoffs. And and, and they've got a, a, an over-meddling owner that's the general manager that is looking to try and make splashes rather than uh, you know, really, really sound decisions that are going to help the football team. I, I think that on the flip side, you've got pretty much all the pieces in place on a management and coaching standpoint and quarterback standpoint to where if this team just keeps the progressions they're doing, they have a chance to go further because the Cowboys. If this is the end of the run, they didn't get a Super Bowl. They didn't. They didn't get anywhere near where you expected them to go. And and now it, it, they're on the decline. While the Texans are just getting started.
1: If you if you if I had to bet which team has more wins in the next two years, I'd probably go Cowboys. I would too. But if you ask me which, if you hundred dollar bet, Cowboy fan, Texans fan, which one wins a Super Bowl first? I would take the Texans side I would side absolutely of it. do that. So, it's short-term. I still give the Cowboys more like regular season wins. But who wins the Super Bowl first, I would gladly take the Texans side of that bet. Uh, Russell, if Dre wants to make another bet, We already, I think we already made that bet, actually. Yeah, Dre I think already he, made that I bet. I think he
2: he was he was MIA when you tried to make no, it. No, we made it. it. No, I'm saying, and then he came back in the chat and made the bet with you.
1: Yeah, well, that, was the, that was the bet we made. So, I already, already had that bet. I'll mm-hmm. double down on it. I have no problem double downing on some of my stances.
2: Uh how about this one? Russell Wilson will end up with the Raiders. I saw that. A couple different places. Um, it's one of the uh, first destinations he wanted to go to. He wants to be out west. Uh, his wife would love the Vegas scene, I'm sure, as well. Um, he's got a chance to get back at Sean Payton and the Broncos. Uh, the Raiders are looking for a veteran quarterback because of the rest of the roster they have with Adams and and you know whatever they do with Josh Jacobs. They're, they're looking like they're more committed to like the here and now. Um, it would make some sense. Uh, I don't know if there's a starting job for Russell Wilson in this league, but if there is, I think you would, you could start there. I think that there
1: is a. Um, I think I like this idea a lot. I think it's fun. The Raiders to me might be my my fun interest because I like Antonio Pierce a lot. Mm-hmm. Like Devontae Adams, I have a lot of. Uh, fantasy football dynasty shares and Devonte adams but that like they they finished the season strong they have some talent i'm curious where they're at like in terms of the cap because jacobs is a pending free agent uh and then how are they spending this money to get a russell wilson although russell wilson's gonna get most of his money from denver if yeah they're gets, just gonna let him go yeah and, yeah, and then, then they, they sign him up for cheap yeah so that's uh that's something that intrigues me i think i can see this happening i don't think that's a crazy overreaction uh the packers will win the super bowl next year that's
2: a gross <laughs> overreaction. That's not even close to coming true.
1: Hey, I I like where the Packers are going. Uh, Jordan Love is solid to me. Now he's he's got some work. I also like the young receivers. Like I like Dobbs. I like now Watson's never on the field. That that's that's well, something that's got to change. Uh, Reed was really good as a rookie. I like both of their tight ends. So they had the, their defense is all right. And I know they're going to bring in a new defensive coordinator. I I, I like love
2: their that. roster. That's a great move by the I, way. You think to so? To get another defensive coordinator, Joe Barry has been Dunzo. less than for several years, and he tried to save his bacon at the end of the year in the playoffs where he did an adequate job, but it wasn't enough to save his job. Look, that's the youngest roster in the NFL to get as far as they did, and, and some would say, including me, they should have won that game. But whether they did or not, yeah. the, the upward trend is way up. And I've been critical of Jordan Love, but the fact is when you're the youngest team in the NFL, there's room to grow here. He can get better. He can show you more. There's more time to actually see what he can do uh, but the team is going in the right direction and you're probably going to hear from them for quite a long time. But to say they're going to be in the Super Bowl next year, come on, Let's do yeah, with that. I would say
1: overreaction on that one. The Cardinals will make a playoff run. Uh, AFC Scout says the Gannon seems legit and they can kill it in the draft. They do have the fourth pick. Well,
2: if they end up with Marvin Harrison Jr., that's a game changer for
1: them. They have Kyler. They would have Marvin Harrison Jr. I don't know their cap situation. Their defense was all
2: right. Um, Connor, their running game could use some help.
1: Connor was solid. Connor was yeah, but I don't Connor even know he if be a free agent. I don't know. The... Um, the the what helps them in this take is that they're in the NFC. Mm-hmm. Like they have a better chance of making a run at the NFC than they do
2: in the AFC. So I'm not
1: I'm gonna say this is not an overreaction. No, I
2: don't think it is either because they obviously looked at the start of the year like they were going to, with their own pick, be in the top five and probably closer to one than five. And then all of a sudden, when they got Kyler back, things changed. We saw we knew when we when they played the Texans, we were like, well, it would have been nice if we were marking this up preseason as a win because they were gonna be really awful. And then they get Kyler Murray back, and suddenly they're a legit team that gave you a run for your money and won some football games to where you go, you know what? He can play a little bit. He he is not washed. he's not the guy that everybody built him out to be, or maybe he's changing, but he's still damn good. So if you keep adding pieces to that, you look at, I think, Seattle's on the decline in the division alone. I think there's a legit chance, like you said, in the NFC for the Cardinals to make a run at a playoff spot. CJ
1: Stroud will finish top three in MVP voting. Oh, I think. I, I well, Next year? <laughs> next year.
2: That schedule just really, really worries me. Look, I don't I don't doubt anything about CJ's abilities and I think that he'll keep you in every football game. But that schedule is going to be daunting for them. Yeah, yeah. Maybe next year's too soon for top three.
1: I would say he has a top three finish in the next three years. I would agree with that. I have a feeling next year's going to be sixteen Astrosy because of the schedule. Yep. Uh, now that is not that doesn't mean I, I think they're going to miss the playoffs. I just like the expectations of them having it in year one it seems like fifteen Astros to me because they're kind of ahead of schedule. The, the year for me is the 25 season
2: no doubt is the year. Now they do have the cap space and all that. But this is but this is the this is where you see the sophomore slumps when you get teams that went from worst to first and then all of a sudden they got to play that schedule the next year to where they it's hard to sustain that because doing what you did the schedule played a part. Now the play, the schedule could play the biggest part in making sure you don't do it again.
1: Ian Rappaport is reporting the Chargers are moving to hire Michigan coach Jim Harbaugh as their next coach per Rappaport, Pelissero... Mike Garofalo, uh, he's uh, apparently never left town. Was supposed to meet with Atlanta, never left town. So it looks like uh, one other opening in the NFL is gone. This doesn't really influence the Slovic thing for me cuz he was had never him on the table from the get-go. Yeah, so Harbaugh, according to a bunch of NFL.com folks, I, I knew something was up whenever he canceled that second meeting with Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this has been this has been heavily rumored. So John Har- or Jim Harbaugh rather, John Harbaugh's brother, uh, looks like he will be the next head coach of the Los Angeles Char- All right, time now for our giveaway. Government Mule is live in concert with their 30-Year Strong Tour. Caller number 6 right now to 713-780-3776. Caller 6 to 713-780-3776. Wins a pair of tickets to see Government Mule on February 25th at Bayou Music Center. Don't miss Government Mule live. Get your tickets now at LiveNation.com. LiveNation.com. Get your tickets now to see Government Mule live February 25th. 5th at the Bayou Music Center. All right, time now for our Car Wreck of the Day, presented by CarWreckTexas.com. 713-780-3776. What are you nominating for our Car Wreck of the Day? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.
0: ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Pump it
3: up. Come on, Digna, It's too small for the both of us. No, it isn't. Jump on, man. I'll give you a pump.
4: You all right? My leg is broken. The bone's oh, coming see. through. Let me, me ah! I'll give you fucking money, you prick. Where's my fucking money?
0: This is the Car Wreck of the Day, brought to you by CarWreckTexas.com.
1: All right, what are we nominating for the Car Wreck of the Day, presented by CarWreckTexas.com. 713-780-3776. Alex on the Twitch is nominating Total Arlington for entering the chat. Uh, maybe some... <laughs> Houston versus Arlington rival. Uh, also, Alex is probably grasping a little bit here and reaching because he doesn't have Joe George to make fun of.
2: You know what he did yesterday? What did he do? Yesterday, he nominated David Gow and Gow Media for allowing Joe George to have that many vacation days in a row. I don't know how he pulled it off. That's a lot of vacation days. Doesn't to be he? Using up in January. Yeah, he does. There you go. It
4: that, isn't that a little hollow coming from you, Jeremy? You take a lot of vacation days. I know, I know I you take vacation days to go work other things, but
1: I, when do I take vacation days?
4: You take. Come on. When you, do you, I
1: take four vacation days? Not in, in a row. row. That's true. You don't take. The only them in time a row. I do that's around the holidays. That's true. I've only taken. Uh, I've only taken one vacation day this month. We get fifteen on the year. Yeah. I've taken one this month, but it was a comp day for working New Year's Day, that's and I right. actually have another comp day. For working Martin Luther King Day, well, so I'm actually I'm actually one in the black. I think
4: we both play. Iron Man of radio. I think I have two of those.
1: Yeah. yeah you, so I mean, I don't know what, with that how that's hollow. I gotta well, remember. He, remind he, he me came that
4: off had... as a man like, like claiming the side of I, I never take vacation days, no days off. Like Bill Mike. My,
1: Mike. My, my point of pointed contentions more four days in late January. Yeah, like that's... that's a lot of days early in the calendar. Now,
4: to, to Joe's credit, had the Texans advanced, he said he would have taken all four.
1: Like four days in December, totally fine. Four days, like in the middle of summer, for a little summer vacation, totally fine. Four days in late January?
2: What? I've never heard of that. Usually, you're Maybe saving pre-gaming them. For Groundhog no, day. I, I kind of know. know the legit answer, and it would even be more reason to question why he's taking <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's, the vacation. You yeah, knowing the real
4: what? answer, I would have taken four days off for it. He but.
2: probably fired off
1: an email one, and he's probably claiming that as a work day.
4: He did. He, he forwarded me the giveaway you uh, information he, for today.
1: Uh, he did. We work today. It's not PTO. He worked today. And he responded to
2: one of your tweets, which may or may not be something for show topics. So then he could say he he had input. I'm
1: on to him. I'm on to him. Hans Cuz says that I'm lazy. Uh, 713-780-ESPN, what are you nominating for Car Wreck of the Day? 5010 says Car Wreck of the Day is about to be Michigan's transfer portal since
2: Harbaugh is bolting. I think that they'll hire their OC. I don't think that helps them. Why not? Well, because I think the same way that kids went to play for Saban, and whether DeBoer is the guy or not, they bolted. A lot of guys are going there to play for, for Harbaugh. And the immediate, uh, their immediate first reaction is going to be, no Harbaugh, no chance for chi- the, the same success in Chips. I'm out.
1: No, I don't disagree with that, really. But if you're trying to limit, I think more limits what enters the portal than some random.
2: No, I get it. I, I, just think, I just think that Michigan, more so than Alabama, is going to have a really tough time for sustainability. Okay, what do you got for our car wreck of the day? My first one is Bobby Marks from ESPN. It was an ESPN Plus article, but he, he did all these different Western Conference and NBA trades he'd like to see. He'd like to see the Rockets trade Victor Oladipo, fine, goodbye. Jacques Londale, fine, see you later. And Brooklyn's 2024 first-round pick, which is a, a complete non-deal maker for me and then what you're getting from Detroit in return Alec Burks who's having a nice year and is a shooter and Isaiah Stewart that's what you're getting in return for that kind of a pick and unloading some trash no thanks and by the way Bobby Marks I'm on to you you used to work for the Nets nice try (laughs) to try and help them uh, but or and try and capitalize on that that pick but you ain't getting that deal from the Rockets I think Isaiah Stewart's kind of like a good fit to that
1: backup five, like rim protecting, sure, big backup, man. Yeah. But I'm not trading the Brooklyn first round. Now, he does say top eight protected, but I wouldn't trade a lot of them. I wouldn't trade the 12th pick. Uh, for this, so now, you know,
2: do this deal for me, where you just take give me Oladipo, Landale Lon- in a second, a couple seconds, and I'll take Alec Burks and Isaiah Stewart. Now uh, we get a deal. Yeah, that, the deal breaker is the the Brooklyn no e-
1: Even though it's top eight protected, like that, I would need that to be top twenty five protected uh, before it's even something that I'm I'm listening to. Or he even says that if the uh, if the pick doesn't convey, then they trade the two four two seconds, twenty four and twenty five second round picks via Oklahoma City. I'm okay with I'm that. I'm fine too. with that. I would trade Oladipo, Landell in two seconds for Burks and Isaiah Stewart. Um, the, to, where I think he went wrong with this is the top 8 protection he needed to make that about top 20 protected top 25 protected uh, that's a good one I'm going to nominate somebody nominated the Bucks for hiring Doc Rivers and fi- firing Smart, Griffin look. I'm going to nominate ESPN this is the perfect opportunity for you to bring back Jeff Van Gundy Jeff Van Gundy should have never got got. this is the perfect opportunity to bring him back and according to reports they're not even entertaining the idea
2: shame on you well, ESPN. Jeff moved on, and he got a pretty high-paying job with the Celtics as like a VP consultant. Yeah, but at the same time, why is he going to do you a solid and come back when you crapped on him when he was the best analyst in the NBA doing, doing NBA games and everybody loved him, and you just were paying him an ungodly amount of money that you suddenly were out of budget to pay, and you don't realize how good you had it till he's gone? No, that's a bad. Do you have one, uh, Brian?
4: Yeah, I'd like to second the nomination of the Bucks, but I also like to nominate John Heyman for his ridiculous mm, take of call. Uh, oh, oh, oh call. well, Billy Wagner's not a starting pitcher, so he can't go in the Hall of Fame.
1: <laughs> Mark Burley, get out of here! That's a good call at the car. That's a that's there's a no call. way
4: you can make the argument. Mark Burley is to no. the all-time starting pitchers what Billy Wagner is to all-time relief pitchers. Yeah, I just try insane.
1: to just, uh, further reason to stay away from John Heyman. I'm going to nominate Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill was outed for filing for divorce on Monday. This was like court records they dug up on Tyree Kill. Tyree Kill's fighting it on social media, apparently because Tyree Kill didn't tell his wife yet.
4: Oh, no. I love that he tried to deny it when the, their source was the literal public record yeah, public of public filing. Yeah,
1: public record. But the reason that he's fighting it, they think, is because he yet to tell the news to his, I think it's his third or fourth wife.
4: Well, it's a wife that he married in October, Jeremy.
1: Yeah. It's- I mean, she was all over hard knocks.
4: Well oh, yeah she's the uh well, she's she's all the, over hard knocks.
1: She's had the sister hard knocks Stills, he had a lot right? of hard dogs. Well, no, 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 sorry. She's the sister
4: of Kenny well, are yes, they Kenny are Vicaro. they
1: related? I didn't know that they were related. Yeah, it's it's I, didn't, Kenny sister. I knew that her last former name was a little
4: Satan of safety. Yeah, so of
1: she gets half though, so she turned out all right. Her ROI is pretty good. Not she gets too bad.
2: half. What about all the other baby mamas that came out of the woodwork this year?
1: Yeah, maybe she gets half of the half of the half of the half. It's quite possible. Uh, I'm which not is an still pretty good. Guy, which is after pretty good that, uh,
4: a marina employee takes their yeah. half. Right. My There's a lot goodness.
1: of money being kicked out these days. So what is uh, what one blanker's segment name?
4: Uh, point blank. Point blank. Uh, with 58% of the vote, point blank won. So there be on go. the lookout,
1: point blank. Or what one what Every Car so Wreck often? of the Day?
4: Uh, John oh, yeah. Heyman? John Heyman. John Heyman, Car Gotta Wreck be. of the Day. Gotta
1: Congratulations, be. John Heyman. The only thing you'll ever win. <laughs> car Wreck of the Day presented by CarWreckTexas.com. That does it for us. Thanks so much, Brian McDonald and Abigail doing all the hard work. He's blank. on Branham. We'll talk to you tomorrow, Houston. Goodbye.
0: ESPN 97.5 on YouTube. Dracula Flow.
3: I'm Dracula. I'm 12 million years old. I have more perks than there are stars in the Leo cluster.